Well, I invite you to take your Bible now, or your Bible app, and let's go to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Chapter 9. And this morning, we're going to focus on coming back from COVID and the opportunity we have of making a strong comeback. Let's embrace the possibility that we can come back even better, even stronger in some ways. Specifically, I want to talk about how we can deal with with some of our excuses in order to embrace the progress that God has for us. And here's the key concept. Here it is. In order to follow Jesus, you have to ditch the excuses so you can move forward with him into the abundant life that he has for you. In order to follow Jesus, we have to ditch the excuses. No ifs, ands, or buts. You know, one of the areas I've been struggling with lately, true confession, is getting my exercise routine back on track. I was making excuses, and I was getting pretty creative at it. You know, it's too dark outside. And then, well, it's so windy. Can't exercise in this wind. And then it's way too hot, dangerously hot. Nobody should be exercising in this heat. Must be a sign from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I could come up with all kinds of excuses. We can find excuses for just about anything, can't we? You know, a few uh, Sundays ago, I greeted a woman as she uh, came into the church lobby before worship, and I said, it is so good to see you. And she said, you know, it's my first Sunday back since COVID. She said, it was kind of tough getting out of my bathrobe and easy chair and nursing my cup of coffee while watching the the worship service online. But she said, no more excuses. I'm back. I made it here this first time. She said, it'll be easier from here on out. I read an article just recently by a brilliant writer and thinker, Adam Grant. He wrote an article for the New York Times about what he sees as the struggle of this past year. He said, if I could put a word to it based on all of my research, he said it would be the word languishing. Languishing. That place between depression on the one hand and thriving on the other. Somewhere in the middle. He said a lot of us are going to wrestle with or are wrestling with just sort of languishing around, coming out of whatever we've come out of this past year. And everybody's faced their own trauma, their own struggles during that time. And then trying to adjust. What what does the new reality look like? How do we move forward? How do we come back into what God has for us? And the temptation is to stay languishing in the middle. And one of the things we do when we're languishing is we make excuses. Excuse after excuse after excuse. And I think for many of us, we just need awareness. We just need a reminder that we can make progress or we can make excuses, but we can't do both. 
And today I, I want to talk about how we can make spiritual progress in our lives by putting away our excuses and making one firm commitment, and that is the commitment to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. One firm commitment. And then for some of us today who have never taken the step of baptism, I'd like to remove some of the excuses you, you may have around taking that, that step of obedience. And I want to encourage you, to encourage you strongly to be baptized, even next month. So let me jump into Luke chapter 9 with you, because in Luke chapter 9, Jesus encounters uh, three different individuals, and he challenges them. He challenges their perspectives and their excuses. Now, Luke chapter 9 is known as the travel narrative. And much of the gospel or biography of Jesus in Luke is in this section called the travel narrative, where Jesus has resolutely turned his face toward Jerusalem. He's traveling toward Jerusalem where he will be crucified, where he will lay down his life for us. And so we see it in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. He's dedicated. He's on the way now. And look at verse 57. And when we get to the red word up on the screen, say that, that word out loud with me. It says, as they were walking along, if you read Luke's gospel, you'll see this whole middle section of the book. It has this phrase again and again or something like it. That's why it's called the travel narrative. As they're walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you what? wherever, wherever you go. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me, right? Sounds like kind of a, a proposal, like a commitment. The guy says, I'll follow wherever you go, man. And Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'm in. I'm all in. I'm your guy. I'm your, your person. I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, look at that. Foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man, the title for himself, has no place to lay his head. Now, this is kind of interesting because in order to understand Jesus' reply, you have to surmise what's going on with the person who comes to him and makes this bold promise. You know, he must have had a, a certain background, a certain standard of living that he was accustomed to. And with that in mind, he says, sure, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, hey, wait. Even foxes have dens, birds have nests, but I have no place to, to hang my hat or to lay my head. In other words, you may have the wrong idea. And I think this guy comes along and he kind of said, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go if, if it's convenient. You know, I'll follow you wherever you go if, if it's on my terms. I mean, it would have been easy for this guy to look around and, you know, put together, you know, and, and say, Jesus, you know, you're successful, you're powerful, you heal people, you could be the next king of Israel. I better hook my, hitch my wagon up to your star. I want to be connected to you. I want to be part of your political rise, your power rise. I want to be part of what God is going to do through you. I'll go with you wherever you go. I'm your guy. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. 
Understand, if you're going to follow me, you're going to follow me not only into blessing, but you may follow me into suffering. My face is locked in now on Jerusalem. And this guy doesn't know it, but, but Jesus is going to give his life for us as a ransom for many. And his kingdom would not be an, an earthly kingdom where he ruled, he sat on a, a throne, but it would be a, a spiritual kingdom where he ruled in hearts and lives. And so Jesus says, hey, you, you may have the wrong idea. And if we're going to follow Jesus, it can't simply be on our terms. And this is, this is for someone here today. I think we've all tried to manage our faith relationship with God on our own terms. Anybody ever tried that? We've all had those situations where we tried to barter with God. Hey, God. I'll go to church. I'll go to church, okay? I'll go to church or I'll give or read my Bible or pray, but I have to see you open a door for a job or heal me or someone close to me or, or fix that relationship that's messed up. And we put our own terms and conditions and druthers on our faith relationship with God. And that can lead to some, some pretty fickled following of Jesus. You know, many of us have experienced seasons where, where we've treated our relationship with God that way. You know, but if we're honest and just step back, we say, you know, that, that's a very immature perspective of the God of the universe and, and, and my faith, trust relationship with him. And so I think Jesus is saying, no, no. If you're going to follow me, no ifs, no ifs. Just follow me. Just follow me and trust that I will be good in the midst of it. You see, grace doesn't guarantee a struggle-free life, but it does guarantee a God-filled life. And so following Jesus, it's not always going to be easy, but it will always be good. It may not always be fun, but it will be right. You may not always be comfortable, but you will be cared for. You may not always be celebrating, but you will have the victory. You may not always feel strong, but you will be secure. You may not always feel powerful, but you will be protected. You may not always have clarity, but you will have connection with God. You may not know what's ahead of you, but you will know the God who is above you and the God who is beside you and the God who is beneath you to catch you when you fall. And so Jesus says to us today, follow me on my terms, not yours, on my terms. And then as Jesus is traveling along the road in Luke chapter 9, he comes across another individual, verse 59. Look at verse 59, and once again, read that red word when we get to it. Say it out loud. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, what? First, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, at first you read this and you think, that sounds legit. You know, sure, Lord, I'll follow you, but first I have to return home and bury my father. You know, it sounds like the responsible thing to do. It sounds like the honorable thing to do. He has family first values in a family first culture. 
In that culture, your family was the ultimate, and the expectation of the son would be not only to be there to bury his father, but then maybe to take over the family business. And we're not given very much detail here to go on. So, so we, we have to, uh, to be careful. And there's debate over whether this man's dad was already dead or he was very, very near death, or maybe, maybe even his death was, was years away in the future. We don't know. But clearly, the man is saying, it's my duty to be there with the family to see this through. And then after all my family duties are finished, Lord, then I'll be back to follow you. Then I'll come back to go on mission with you. And now Jesus says something rather shocking. He says, let the dead, and one translation translates this, spiritually dead, and I think that makes sense here. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. I'm calling you right now to go and preach about the kingdom of God. There's a sense of urgency to it. Time is of the essence. People's lives are at stake. There's no wiggle room to postpone it or to procrastinate. And Jesus says, look, and he would affirm family. He would affirm family. The Bible says, honor your father and mother. And Jesus, of course, would affirm that. But I think what he's, what he's getting at is, if you're going to follow me, there's no buts. There's no buts. It's not like, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but first, I've got to deal with this relationship issue. You know, I'm going to follow you, but first, I have to prioritize this family issue above you. And Jesus is saying, I want to be first in your life, above your love for your family, above your love for your spouse, above your, your love for your children. I know I'm getting in somebody's business here. You know, above your love for everything else in your life comes following Jesus and your faith relationship with Him. Your faith first, and everything else comes after that. And that's hard. I know you love your kids. If you have kids, it's like your heart walking you know, outside your body. That's how you feel about your children. And grandkids, oh my, that takes it to another level. If there is another, who knew there was another level? But just talk to Pastor Mark and Sylvia and you know, ask about Trudy. Ask about baby Trudy. You know, the best place you can be if you're married and has children is where God comes first and your spouse comes next, and your children, grandchildren, they come after that. Because as you grow closer to God, you're, you're, you're going to grow closer together, and closer in your faith, closer in your marriage, and your family is going to receive all, all the overflow blessings and love from that. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want to be ultimate. I want my kingdom to be first in your life and in your relationships. And so there's no buts. Jesus, I'll follow you, but I've got this addiction in my life. You know, I can't follow you until I get all that worked out. Listen, you don't get all that stuff worked out apart from Jesus. No, you just come and follow Jesus, and while you follow him, he gives you what you need to overcome it, to work through it. And for some of us, you know, the journey of of healing and growth is a lifelong process. 
and we never arrive. But God's love and power and grace and mercy see all of us through, right? He's at work in all of us. And some of you may be like, God, I'd use my gifts to serve others, but I've got a past. I've got issues. I don't know if you could use me. God, I would take this step of faith. I feel that you're nudging me to do, but first, I've got to take care of some things in my life. I've got to take care of these other matters. And Jesus comes back and says, look, if you're going to follow me, follow me. Not, yes, Lord, if. Not, yes, Lord, but. Just, yes, Lord. I will follow you. I will follow you. Well, let's move on. There's one more individual, a third individual that he encounters in verse uh, 61. I'm going to, to read these couple verses. And again, you know, let's say the, the red words there together. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. Oh, here we go all over again. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then what? Looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So again, there's nothing wrong with, I want to say goodbye to my family. Now that seems innocent enough. But based on Jesus' response, I think there's more going on underneath there. Now obviously, this person is looking back. They are tethered to something in their past that they won't let go of. And so Jesus says, you put your hand to the plow, and you can't look back. You have to keep moving forward. We were on a, a family vacation. We had stopped in several states and stopped in uh, Montana and saw some of the sites. And now we were on that long, long, lonely road home you know, in Montana, going back to North Dakota. And the girls were both in elementary school, so we're talking many years ago. And we were in one of those dead zones where you go miles and miles and miles and miles without seeing any signs of life. And you think, man, if, if I had a car break down here, I could die. And if the heat doesn't get us and the animals don't get us, you know, who knows? And sure enough, I, I, I'm driving along and all of a sudden I hear this blah, 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 blah. And I think, oh, no, you are kidding me. It's a tire, and there's hardly any shoulder at all to pull off on. It's a two-lane road, hardly any shoulder. I, I managed to slow down, get off the road into dirt and gravel, and, and come to a stop. It was kind of dusk out. It was dusky. And I put my hazard flashing lights on, and I got out thinking, this is the moment I've been dreading. You know, I, I hadn't changed a, a tire in years. In fact, I didn't even know if cars still came with spare tires. And so I, I pulled out all the luggage from the trunk and put that off to the side. I found the spare, and it was a donut. You know, one of those small donut tires. And the jack, it was unlike any jack that I've ever used before. And I, I took it out, th this is it, th this, this is the jack, and... So I had Sue rustle around in the glove box for instructions where to put this jack stand, you know, how, to, how to crank it up. 
And there were some tense moments. I, I have to admit, I, you know, I let my frustration and ineptitude, I took some of that out on Sue, so I had to apologize to her. And finally, I, I started, I got the jack position, started, you know, cranking the car up, and the wind is just whipping. It is whipping. I don't know if you've been on a prairie, an open prairie, with that wind blowing. And the cars, the occasional car or truck just flying by. And remember, this is Montana, where for all practical purposes, there's no speed limit. So the, these cars, they're flying by. And I, I'm cranking the car up, and it dawns on me, I've just been in go mode. You know, I've got to get this fixed before it gets much darker. I've got to get us back on the road. And all of a sudden, you know, I realized the girls were still sitting in the back seat, you know, right above where, where I had the jack. And so I uh, put the jack back, and, and then little darling, you know, you're going to have to get out. I'll go out the other side. You know, Mama's going to help you. And I get that little donut, that sorry excuse for a tire. I get it put on. And then Sue, uh, who's, who's a, a total rules follower, she sees a label on the spare tire, and she says, oh, Randy, look, 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 max speed, 50 miles an hour. And I'm like, oh, don't worry about it, honey. I've done 80 on these things. I've known people who drive their car with a donut for you know, all year long. But she's a, a rules follower, and you rule followers, you know who you are. It, it, it's deep, right? And Sue says, we cannot go over 50. And I said, come on, Sue, have you seen how fast these cars are going? They'll run us, it's, that would be dangerous. And she said, we are not going over 50. And so we get back on the road, and, and I'm the guy with the hazards on. You know, cars coming up behind me and just blowing by me, giving me looks like, you're pathetic, and, you know, cussing me left and right. You know, I assure you they were. Because I'm the guy they almost hit when they look up, you know, that guy going 50. Well, not technically 50. You know, Sue was so strong, we're just, we are going 50, that I set the cruise control for 55. You know, come on, you got to push it a little bit. You know, it's called marriage. You just don't always get what you want. But I'm so glad God gave me Sue. Well, here, here's my point. My point is, it's hard on a donut to drive at the same speed and efficiency that you can drive on four fully inflated regular tires. It hinders your ability. My father-in-law had, had another name for those spare you know, donut tires. He called them limpers. Limpers, because you limp along. And for a lot of us, that's how we've been navigating our life right now. We've allowed the past to weigh us down, hold us back at such a level that we're not moving forward into what God has for us at the speed that we could. We're allowing it to slow us down. We keep looking back at, at that old life or that old relationship or that old habit or that old attachment. And Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to follow me, put your hand to the plow and you don't look back. And the idea in, in a farming culture was you grab a hold of that plow and you're going to plow a straight line. And if that line is going to be straight, you can't always be looking back. You know, looking back is the best way to you know, go all over the road or to go off the road. Just go straight ahead. Keep moving forward. 
And so if you're married right now, and it's hard, you know, maybe the pandemic has made it worse, but you put your hand to the plow, you don't look back, just keep moving forward. You keep allowing God to work. And some of you made career shifts, career decisions over the last year. Some of you were forced to. Some of you uh, made that, that choice. Some of you are wondering why you even done it. But if God was in it, if you put your hand to just keep moving forward in faith, and you can't undo what happened. All you can do is keep moving forward with God into the future. And some of you, you put on, you know, the COVID-10 or 15 or, you know, 20 this past year. And I said to Sue the other day, I've got to do something about this. I really do. You know, the clothes aren't fitting anymore. But don't beat yourself up over what happened. What happened, happened. At this point, it's all about moving forward. Don't look back. Look forward in faith and trust God. That's what comebacks are based on. Not making excuses, but making progress by sticking with it. And if I don't stick with it, if I slip up, if I have a lapse, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I'm not going to slide into guilt mode all over again and then pig out on nachos. You know, instead, I'm just going to pick myself up tomorrow, confess it to the Lord, and keep moving forward and reaffirm that, that I, I put my hand to the plow and I'm following Jesus by faith. And for some of you, as you're growing uh, spiritually and you're learning more of what it means to follow Jesus, you've never taken that step of baptism as a believer. And I'd love to, to challenge you today to maybe remove some of your excuses and follow Jesus in faith and obedience through baptism. And baptism is one of the first things we see the believers doing in the New Testament. When they became followers of Jesus, first thing they did, they got baptized. And baptism is simply going up or going down under the water and coming up. That's it. Literally, go, you go under and you come up. And we don't hold you under, I promise. You know, there's no trying to hold you down under, until all the sin is out of you. No, we, we don't do that. <laughs> but it's, it's simply a, a picture of what God has done on the inside, and we are showing it, we're proclaiming it, we're declaring it on the outside. And the idea is this, Romans chapter 6 says that we were buried with Christ in baptism and, and we rise with him to walk in newness of life. And so Jesus died on the cross. When he was dead, they took him down. They put him in a tomb where he lay for three days. But on the third day, he rose again. And when you're baptized... Paul says it's like you're united with Jesus in his death. You go under the water, and you're united with Jesus in his resurrection as you rise up out of the waters. And you can walk in newness of life now in the power of his resurrection, and you can look forward to newness of life with him forever. And that's what our baptism pictures. And let's be clear, baptism does not 
save you. The water does not save you. The water does not wash away your sins. Grace is what saves you. Faith is what saves you. Jesus is who saves you. But baptism is a picture of what God has done in our hearts, and it's important because we can look back to it and we remember. It's like a marker in our lives. And some of you are thinking, you know, I was sprinkled as a child. Should I be baptized again? But that was a decision your parents made to baptize you. We're talking about a decision you make yourself, a decision to turn from the old life, to turn from sin, to turn to Jesus, to trust him and follow him in baptism. And actually, you're fulfilling your parents' desire when they took you to church those many years ago to be baptized. They were making a faith statement in that act, and that statement was the hope and prayer that you would grow to follow Christ in your life and to trust him. And when you get to that place in your own faith journey and in your life, you're actually fulfilling what their initial prayer was. And so my encouragement to you is to go forward and be baptized as a believer, even if you were sprinkled as a baby, as a child. And not to negate what your parents did, but to fulfill what God is doing in your own heart and life and to mark it in a way that you will always remember. And some of you are like, I'd love to be baptized, but, but my life is a mess. Well, join the club. But you say, I don't have it all worked out. I, I have these issues over here. I have addiction issues. My marriage is struggling. I have trouble controlling my anger. I'm selfish. I'd love to be baptized. But first, does that sound familiar? First, I've got to get cleaned up. You know, once I get cleaned up, once I get my act together, then I'll, no, no. Baptism isn't about getting everything worked out. It's about coming to God and saying, look, I'm committed to following you. Even though I don't fully understand all the ramifications of what that means, Jesus, I will follow you. I'm all in. But I'm also a mess. And I've got sins and habits and anger issues, personal issues, and things I'm trying to, you know, I'm going to need your love and power and wisdom to work this through. Remember, baptism is the first thing you see believers do, not the last thing. It marks the beginning of their journey with Jesus. It's not the end point. It's not the finished product. You know, maybe you're saying, you know, baptism is something I thought about doing, but I just kept putting it off, and, and I wonder if I missed my chance. If I was supposed to be baptized back then, did I miss my chance? And this is what I would say. Some of you have heard me say this. I once went into a nursery and I purchased uh, some, some shrubs and plants. It was at the cash register, looked up, and, and behind uh, the, the cashier on the wall was a, was a poster. And that poster had a picture of a tree, beautiful tree, mature tree. And here were the words on the poster. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. It's today. It's never too late to do what's right. Do it now. Do it today. Do it in obedience. Now, I know somebody's thinking, that all sounds well and good, but my hair. You know, I don't know, man. I don't think I'm going to look too good. That's not going to be a very good look coming up out of the water. 
Now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have a $20 cut or a $200 cut. Baptism is the great equalizer. And all I can tell you is that you will embrace the moment. You'll have so much joy just bubbling up as you follow Jesus in this way. There will be such a big smile on your face. You won't even think about it. You won't think about your, your appearance. You'll look beautiful. It will be a good baptism hair day for you. And finally, you know, maybe you're thinking, you know, I really don't like being in front of people. And especially, you know, talking in front of people. You know, that testimony thing. And I can assure you, we've got you covered. You know, we will help you write your testimony. It doesn't have to be long. Be short. And, and most likely, you'll be reading it. 99% of the people read their testimony after they've carefully thought it through and wrote it down. And your testimony will bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ and put the spotlight on him where it belongs. And, and, and hear me when I, believe me when I say, your testimony will be an inspiration to everybody who hears it. And so my encouragement to you this morning would be this. Jesus went to the cross, and he died for you. He set his face towards Jerusalem, and he traveled all the way to death on the cross for you. You and I. The least we can do in following him is to get wet and stand before others and declare our faith and obedience to Jesus. To let everyone know, I have decided to follow no ifs, ands, or buts. No turning back. I'm going to follow him in baptism. No excuses. No excuses. Are you ready? No, it's today your day to decide. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to take this step in baptism. Jesus, one of the last commands that he gave his disciples was to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations, to make disciples, followers. And he said, here's how you do it. First thing, after they decide, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's that lifelong process. But the first step, the first step of obedience in the Christian life is baptism. And when Jesus gives a command, it's important. You know, it's for our good and for his glory. And when he gives a command, you know, the only appropriate response from us, from his followers, is, yes, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go and whatever you ask. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And so, uh, as we close, you know, started by looking at the video and, and how to respond. And I just want to make you know, another uh, appeal to you. If, if God is tugging on your heart, to step out, be, be obedient in this. If, if you would like to be baptized in the river, August 22nd, that's the next one. We'll have others after that. But you need to come to the baptism briefing. And so uh, please fill out uh, that card and just mark off 
baptism, you can drop it in one of the boxes or send an email to Laura at qlbc.org and we will respond to you. I'm going to be explaining baptism even, even fuller in more depth during that time next Sunday at 1015. Let's pray together. Well, Father God, we, we thank you for, uh, Lord Jesus, for who you are. We, we love you. We love you. You are worthy. You are the, alone are worthy of our worship and our praise and our love and our adoration and our devotion. And so, Lord God, we, uh, we pray whatever it is you're, you're speaking to us about today in terms of surrender, following you, Lord, that we would hear clearly, that we would be uh, quick to listen and quick to obey for your honor, for your glory, and for our blessing. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.